A rich tradition. College football podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stelton Pole, two friends, one love, and that is college football. Week six is here and plenty of games to discuss for week uh, number six. Roberto, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, man. I'm going to start things off a little weird. You did not know I was going to do this, but I just okay. want to give you give you the floor because you're not doing radio anymore, and I know you miss it sometimes. Just take 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 90 seconds. Give me some Braves b- breakdown. Give me some Braves baseball. How you feeling? Playoffs for the Braves start on Saturday. Waiting for the winner of <clears throat> Miami Phillies. How 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 you feeling? So feel really good. And I'm hoping that the regular season success and the celebration of the the founding of two different clubs, uh, 60-30 and 70-40, for Ronald Acuna Jr., all of the home runs for Matt Olson. I'm hoping that just all of the stuff that's been done records broken and reached and milestones and such aren't like a finishing line of sorts. Yeah. Uh, hey, we still got we still got work to do. We're way too talented. We're way too everything for this not to to not have a big run here. Um and uh, and so I'm excited but there's also that feeling of, you know, this is still Braves baseball, you know. This <laughs> this is still you know, a team that has let us down plenty of times. So nothing's easy, right? <laughs> right. And and that's yeah. And that's sounds like the Georgia sports in general. But keep going. Right. Sorry. <laughs> it, 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 a lot of it is just that. But I also feel confident and excited that man, it's going to be really hard over you know a seven game set to hold these bats down. I would think. Um because they've just been so impressive all year long, and it's Michael Harris at the end of the lineup and Orlando Arcia at the end of the lineup. You're just, there's no real dull spots here, and everybody can come through. Um, Marcelo Zuna turned things around. He's one of the big hitters in terms of home runs, at least, and he's doing a good job with the RBIs. And so you just have so much on this team that can go and score and put runs up. And there's a really good chance the Braves are going to need it because the pitching isn't always what we want it to be. I think maybe the bullpen's there, but uh, a little bit more. But ultimately, there's some stepping up that young pitchers have to do. I'm confident in their talent to do it. And then I'm thinking all they have to do is just be good. They don't even have to be spectacular. We don't need any... We shouldn't need any sort of astronomical performance from them just because the bats uh, can be as good as they can be. We can go and score four, five, six runs every game, uh, potentially, if we get hot enough. And so that's what I'm hoping for. And um, it's been fun to watch, you know, these guys at the end of the year, even when things have not necessarily counted towards the standings that they're still playing hard for the records. It's fun to see records being broken and clubs being created and uh, all those different things for so many different guys and MVP races. And, um, you know, there's almost a sense of Freddie who 
And that's that's fun for Matt Olson. Um, because of yeah. course he, he never did anything wrong. He didn't do anything to deserve any kind of backlash. So it has been a very fun season, and I'm hoping that it continues into the postseason because the Braves have had a lot of great regular seasons and not so many great postseasons. And so we'd like to uh, obviously build upon the World Series from a few years ago, a year ago. So I actually have I have something to add, and then we'll jump into football. I thought you'd appreciate this. Um, I have probably listened listened to more Braves games this year than ever before, like in a season. Cause like, I, and I know Cody and Kate listen to this. I, I did not take advantage of Cody and Kate, uh, having a Bali sports login, which they, they've openly offered to me. And I just, I just didn't think about it. I didn't say, you know, screw that. I want to listen to it instead of watch it. Uh, but I've listened to a lot of games this year, obviously been tracking it when games are on. I, I can't listen, but I, I've tracked a lot of games this year. It, it has been fun to follow this team this year. Um, but I was reading a, a breakdown of um, a Bill Barnwell of ESPN Sports. He was he was breaking them breaking down the playoffs, and he was mentioning um, just how impressive it is that the Braves are able to score as much as they do, but they're not relying on the home run to do it. And like they're not, you know, what I'm saying like he he's not like you know a couple years ago when you'll see other teams who were like home run or bust, and that's not what they are. And that that has probably been something that's been really cool is like. Okay, it's the third inning. Braves that really haven't hit any, you know, haven't haven't hit any home runs, haven't scored anything. I, I just had my, I just have in my mind, it's coming at some point. Like, rarely do I expect a game to end with zero, with Braves having zero runs, because they're just going to figure it out. Whether it's good base running, whether it's hitting, or whether it's you know someone just, you know, crushing the ball, you know, 420, 400, 420 feet. Um, but uh, my my concern, I think you'll probably have the same. It's just starting pitching. You know, is everybody going to get healthy? Is there is are there going to be are there going to be enough starting pitchers to get us get us through? So, right, yep. And and what's also cool for the offense is the home run is absolutely there, three hundred and seven, I mm-hmm. think, for the season yep. season, which ties a, a record. Braves are the first team in Major League Baseball history to have four players with thirty five or more home runs in a single season. That, of course, is uh, Matthew there at first base, Ronnie out there in uh, left field, uh, Mr. Riley in third base, and then uh, Marcelo Zuna, who started the season off the first several weeks of the season hitting below 100. So uh, it's pretty cool to see how he is uh, definitely heated up for uh, the season. But you're right. It's not just home run or bust. The Braves can go in and drive in runs in other ways, and that is uh, that's a lot of fun to see. Okay, do the just real quick for the playoff start. Do they make it? Do they win it? What do you got? Uh, to be honest with you, because I've not been on the radio, I don't know enough about where everybody else is exactly. So I don't, I couldn't say. But okay. we have as good a chance as anybody else. Tampa got eliminated, I think today. So yep. the day that we're recording this on on Wednesday. So, um, you know, anything can happen. And I think at one point, Tampa and Atlanta. When they played each other in the regular season, were the only two teams chasing fifty, or were the two closest teams to fifty runs, were you know the two first teams to fifty wins? I'm sorry, not fifty runs, but fifty wins. So um, Tampa had had a you know a really good season going for a while there, uh, to, so to be eliminated early on by Texas is kind of a surprise. So 
Anything can happen, of course. It's playoff baseball. It's the best baseball. All right. All right, enough of that. Enough Game of time. That. Let's, Game let's, time. Let's talk about some college football. Spencer, what you got for us tonight? So, several games. Seven, I believe, is such the number a of... Yep, set very, very good weekend. Seven games. So we'll start with number one, no particular order. Missouri has been red hot. They've got a number 21 next to their name, according to the Associated mm-hmm. Press. Uh, the Louisiana State Bengal Tigers will be coming to Columbia with a number 23 next to their name. How do you feel about LSU and Missouri? This could be another uh, testing of Jalen Daniels's ability to uh, uh, ability to be really, really good offensively because Missouri's coming in red hot offensively, and right now it's track meets for Jaden Daniels. Yeah. Um. All right. So, first of all, I, I I hate the fact that this is a noon game. Um. I like it's at Missouri. I just think that I think Missouri. I probably feel more inclined to pick Missouri in this game if they, if you know, if it was a night game for them, just because Missouri does have a great home atmosphere that people I don't think realize. Um, but when you're talking about just this game, you know, the X's and O's on the field, it it really depends, Spencer. Who who do you who would you rather have? Would you rather have Jane Daniels or would you rather have Cook? And uh, when when we're looking at comparisons here, you've got Jane Daniels who has 1,700 yards passing, 16 touchdowns, two interceptions, and Cook has 14 1,400 yards passing with 11 touchdowns. Um, I, I need to. I, w- I wish I would have had this up real quick. Um, the other difference between the two is um, I was trying to find rushing yards for them. Um, uh, it's Jaden by a mile. Isn't yes. It? Uh, yeah. That, that's, that's the point I was going to make, but I was going to try to see if I could find by how much <laughs> of, of a mile it was. Uh, so it like quarterback versus quarterback. I think this is like, this is awesome. This is going to be a great fun game to watch. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. And, and that's something I don't think a lot of people are talking about. They're only talking about the fact that LSU's, you know, DBs suck, which is true. <laughs> that is not that is not a lie. They, they are not good. Um, but LSU's front seven is pretty darn good. And Missouri likes to try to have balance. Um, they try to have balance on this team. They've, you know, they've got a running back who's already got 463 yards rushing this year. Um, and... I don't think they're going to be able to run on on LSU. I I think they're going to go with a quick passing game so that those so those defensive studs on the front seven that LSU have they don't have to worry about them. So they're going to try to get the ball out quick. But the the key to this game, Spencer, and I and I I want to hear what you have to say before we make our actual picks. Obviously, I don't think it's about can Missouri stop LSU's wide receivers can LSU just stop Luther Burton for me that's really what it comes down to like the, like one of the big questions can LSU stop Luther Burton um, but go ahead I want to hear what you have to say yeah and Luther's leading the team by a long shot 43 catches 644 five touchdowns the next leading receiver is Theo Weiss and he's got 24 catches that's 43 versus 24. So you really do feel like in a lot of ways, if LSU can find a way to bracket and take away Luther Burden and make other guys step up, 
that that could be beneficial to what they want to do. The thing that makes you nervous is is that LSU usually seems to give up a lot of yards to a lot of different receivers. Yeah. It never it never seems like it's just one guy who goes off. So you almost feel like whatever gets dedicated to Luther Burden, what is that exposing to the other areas of the field? And if Theo Weiss or uh, Mookie Cooper or Cody Schrader or whoever else it is, I think Cody Schrader is a running back. He is. He is. Whoever else it is that starts catching passes, if they're anything worth their salt as a Power 5 player, considering how LSU's defense has played up to this point, you'd think those guys would be able to take advantage of it. I think that would be the response to Luther Burden. And if you if you handle too much to try to stop him or you send too much to try to stop him, if you're LSU specifically, what you know, how thin does that leave you the rest of the field? And is that going to be damaging enough just because you're that thin? You're that depleted. And oh, by the way, you just found out today, Wednesday, the fourth of October, that one of your teammates is battling cancer now. And it's in the secondary. And it's like, ah, man, it's and maybe that's a rallying point. You know, I don't mean to say that lightly, but you know, yeah. teammates, you know, that's a guy that you love and you want to play well and you hope to maybe dedicate the rest of the season and we're going to try to do our best to be supportive and do this as a way to be supportive. That could definitely happen. But Theo Weiss may end up being the the, the big name of the weekend if um, if they dedicate too much to Luther Burden. No, I, th- I think that's a good point. Um, Spencer, I don't know why, man, but like I-, I think a lot of people are chalking up a lot to like so- some people are giving not like I've heard, just heard some people talk about like LSU not really having like a a chance in this game, and I think that's kind of like that's recency bias, right? Yeah, like yeah, they just it, got and torched. Yes, and that's nuts to me. Well, um, and two, you know, you think they they didn't they didn't. They didn't. I don't. Want, I wouldn't say they got torched by Arkansas, but Arkansas certainly threw the ball really, really well. And then the following week against Texas A and M, Arkansas looks kind of pitiful on offense. And so I think with that built in, that might be some of the reason people, not just the recency of Ole Miss, but the recency of like these last few games have not looked good. They're giving up yards to people who aren't really that great throwing the football or whatever it is. And we like KJ Jefferson and that's no knock against Arkansas, but they're not necessarily putting up those numbers week in and week out in Fayetteville. It makes you think, boy, what's going to happen when other good quarterbacks come in here? And we just saw it with Jackson Dart. They lost it 55 to 49. Could they be losing a 41 to 38 kind of game here? And I certainly understand what you mean. 41, 38, if that's the final, LSU definitely has a chance in that game. I I think it's silly to say LSU doesn't have a chance because Jaden Daniels has been excellent this year. Yeah, if if Jaden Daniels had a defense in any way, shape, or form, like they're four and one, and we're talking about like LSU's probably like <clears throat> a ten to twelve point favorite right now going into Missouri. Yeah. Um, 
And that, and and also with LSU losing last week, like they still have everything in front of them. Like, yes, they've lost two games. However, like all they have to do is, like I'm saying, all they have to do, they have to win out. But if they beat Bama, it doesn't matter what Bama does the rest of the year in the SEC if they lose to LSU. LSU just doesn't have to lose again. You know what I'm saying? Like, what I guess what I'm saying is like their backs are against the wall. They still set the standard for what their season will achieve, and I think this week's game, it, this last week's game against Ole Miss, their backs were against the wall. They they could not lose that game to have a fight in the SEC. You know, for the SEC. You know, and I think Lane Kiffin kind of like dialed up the perfect game plan for himself. And I want to see something real quick before I comment on this. Um, was Okay, no, they weren't. Uh, I think LSU. I'll take L, I'll take LSU's overall offense over Missouri's. I will take LSU's front seven over Missouri's. I will obviously take Missouri's DBs over LSU's. But I expect this LSU team to come out pissed off and angry and in wounded animal mode. You know, like I actually I. Can, that's Josh Pate's quote, but like, y- you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think I, I really, I just, I really do think they're going to have their backs against the wall. Their season is on the line. Their goals are on the line this week. I expect them to go into Missouri and, and handle business because also I'll say this, I am not bashing Missouri. I think what they've done has been really good this season, but I don't think Missouri is as great as a lot of people are chalking them up to be. They've got the win against Kansas state at home. But outside of that, it has not been very impressive. The key here will be stopping the ground game and forcing everything into the passing game. For and who? maybe you can bracket burden. Maybe okay. you yeah, can right. force a couple of mistakes by Cook. You know, going to burden too much, forcing something to burden. But I think if you're LSU, you've got to slow down the ground game. You just gave up 317 yards to Mississippi. 6.5 yards of carry and three touchdowns. <clears throat> if you can find a way to figure that ground game out and keep that from getting out of hand, you've won every other game. 135 yards to Florida State. Uh, well, that was the loss, but three other games here you've won, and you've you've hemmed in the running game. You've not necessarily stopped it all the way, but you've hemmed it in. I think maybe if you can force... Uh, Missouri to be one dimensional that maybe that will go the way that you need it to and a guy like Brady Cook is completing 74% of his passes but if maybe you can make him dink and dunk and just force him to be the guy the whole game long and they don't get to do their balance then uh, that might be your your winning formula I'll take LSU to win here because I think I'm agreeing with you in the sense that maybe the Missouri offense hasn't proven it's more than just Luther Burden uh, for the most part. Yeah, that's no, I, I completely agree. I, I'm going with LSU. I, I think Missouri is a good team. I don't think they're a great team. I think there's a reason why even after a loss like LSU just had that they're still a favorite going into Missouri. Um, I said it before we even started. I, I really do think that if this game was at night, I probably would be more inclined to pick Missouri just because of the atmosphere, but it still doesn't change the fact that LSU, I think, is pissed off and angry, and I think they're going to take it out on Missouri. 
So I'll the last thing I'll say, if that's the last thing you'll say or yep, are saying, yep. if Cody Schrader and Nathaniel Pete get going for Missouri and LSU finds itself having a hard time stopping the run again, then then it could be Missouri's ball game to win. And you sort of give this offense its balance that it wants. That could be that could be trouble. I think if you have to come at LSU or can come at LSU with multiple things, that that could be your uh, that could help you win. But heck, I mean, you know, we just got done saying Mississippi won last week, but they won having seven hundred or six hundred and thirty no seven hundred and six yards of total offense. Like it took fifty five points and seven hundred yards of total offense to win the game. And it, and it took, so I think I, I agree, Missouri. Yeah. I don't know if Missouri's capable of, of that. Yeah, and and I also just, I mean, I give all the credit in the world to this game plan that Lane Kiffin came up with, who just said we cannot settle for field goals or short short fourth downs, and he went for everything. It, now it, the, I could see what's his name, uh, Eli Drinkwitz. He seems pretty ballsy. Uh, I could uh, see yes, him doing that. A hundred percent. But yeah, that, that's that's where I'm at with this game. I, I'm taking LSU, and Spencer, I kind of think they cover. I, I really do think, like, I, I think they come out with a statement and win this game pretty big. I will take um, LSU as well, and I'll just have to suck it up and apologize to my good buddy Jamie. All right, uh, Alabama and A&M. Alabama going to uh, Texas A&M. They'll be in College Station this weekend. Um, of course, lots of people are it Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like a and M's on the upswing. They've been winning a couple of games here and there. They, uh, even with Max Johnson or excuse me with, um, Connor Wegman out, Max Johnson's in, he's got a game under his belt. Maybe that's another piece of this. Like, okay, the rust is off of Max Johnson. They, they feel confident in him. He's obviously a veteran in this league. Feels like Texas A&M has a lot of momentum, and of course, you know Alabama still has question marks in certain places. And how good is Jalen Milrow? And you know, can you how far can you go with Jalen Milrow or your passing game only throwing the ball twelve times, twelve to eighteen times a game? Like, can you survive on that? Can Jalen Milrow be that efficient all the time? So, um, this feels like it's a popular pick for Texas A&M. Yeah, and, and Spencer, I want to ask you a question before I'm going to let you go off again. Why, if you had to give me like two reasons why, why do you think that is? That so many people are all all on A&M for this game? Uh, well, a lot of it has to do with, I think, where Alabama is. Okay. Um, I don't disagree. Again, I just want to hear your thoughts. Right. And I think I have, it has a lot to do with uh, most of the things that I sort of were stating there that A&M feels like they've got some things figured out, even with Connor Wegman out, Max Johnson game under his belt, silver lining, I guess, if there's one for the injury, is you got a game for Max Johnson. Uh, the defensive front for... A&M plays really, really well, has lots of talent. Obviously, the offensive front that you've, you've noted so many times that has as much trouble as it has had this season. Can, can you know, here's a question we haven't asked in a long time. Can Alabama block Texas A&M or just block their opponent? And 
Um, Texas was not, uh, they were not, they were not able to block Texas. Will it be similar here when they go back to the Lone Star State? Are they going to be able to block Texas A&M? Um, I would, I would pause to just say, I don't know if A&M is on the, the upswing quite like Texas is on the upswing. This is still Jimbo Fisher. This is still a guy who, according to Bud Elliott, doesn't rate very high when it comes to certain in-game decisions. So I don't, I don't know. And I know Steve Sarkeesian is is trying to, you know, to elevate himself. And so he still has plenty of question marks. But Jimbo is has bogged himself down before in the past. Could that come to play again here, um, on Saturday? Sister, I think. I think this is like I'm I'm going to call this the reason game. And what I mean by that is this game right here is the reason why Jimbo Fisher finally broke and went and hired a good offense coordinator. This is the reason why you went and you made changes and you finally realized I can't do this the way I've been doing things. And now you have an opportunity to prove it. This is the right now. This is the game to get Bama. You have to get them here. And I and I firmly if believe you're A&M, that. yeah. If you're AM, and I'm gonna I'll be honest with you, Spencer. <laughs> I think if you're anybody in the SEC, this is the game that ha- they have to get gotten. Yeah. Because I don't think they're gonna lose to anybody else. Yeah, uh, there's a real chance that like, that won't happen. Like I just I just don't I I don't think they're gonna lose again. And and that might tip my hand right now of how I feel about the rest of the SEC across the board. But you have to get them here. Um, for me, it 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 comes down to I was just talking today at lunch with with a buddy who's who went he's from Bama, went to Bama, like he's a huge fan, but also like very, very rational. He I mean, he even said it. It can we stop AM from making Milro look like a first-time starter. Um, and you've got you, you've got on the road at AM, which is its own craziness. You've got the number one, <laughs> the number one defense at causing havoc, sacks, and tackles for loss in AM, and you've got the 13th worst in the SEC offensive line at giving up blocks and tackles for loss. I'm sorry, giving up sacks and tackles for loss. I was going to say, what does it look like to give up blocks? Yeah, but I've, I've, I've yep. pieced that together in my head as to what yep. that looks like because that sentence obviously sounds like, well, come on, Spencer, quit being a smart aleck. You know what that means. Yeah, you, you know what I mean, jerk. I um, do. And, yep, you're good. <laughs> uh, since Are you I, watching this Middle Tennessee State game, by the way? No, I, I don't have anything on because I'm paying attention to you because you're my oh, friend. Okay. I, I appreciate show, that greatly. The show, um, actually, no, I've got, I've got uh, the – I've got the Miami Philly game on and the uh, the other baseball game on. <laughs> My poor Middle Tennessee State guy catches a wide open pass. He should have gone in for a score. Middle Tennessee comes away with a touchdown on the on the next play, but this guy catches a pass. He's wide, stinking open. He's got to outrun the defense, and he falls inside the five yard line. And it was terrible. He had the guys right behind him, and I think maybe they tripped him up. But just to think, you didn't have enough speed to get there as wide open as you were. It's that turf. That's monster, a heartbreaker. Man. That turf monster. monster. You're right about that. All um, right, back to AM. I'm sorry. Yeah, Spencer. So, like, if we if we look back, it 
if, if we look back at how Miami was able to kind of handle them, it, it I, I don't think that was a fluke. Handle A&M. Uh, yeah, my bad. The way that Miami was able to handle A&M, I don't think that was a fluke. I still think I, th- I still think Miami is a really good team. I'm just waiting for another game for us to be able to claim that. Um, because they just haven't played good teams um, since then. Uh, my my thing is this: like Milrow can obviously throw the deep ball, and and we know that. But can he be consistent at throwing those those 15 to 20 yard passes? Can he be can he be consistent at throwing the ball quickly? Can he can his again can like I don't want to take his O line D line out of it. I've already said who's who I think is going to dominate that. But can Milrow make the quick decision? Can also also big big thing here. The last two or three seasons, Spencer, this Alabama team because there are teams there are players on this team that have been there for the last two or three years. They have been the most undisciplined version mm. of Bama I have ever seen. I not too long ago, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but I not too long ago went and counted penalties, uh, penalties per season, average number of times flagged or whatever for the season. And from the early days, I mean, the number trickulated, probably the number in the early days stayed around the three to five range. But here lately, it's bumped up to like the seven and eight range. And I might those numbers might not be completely right, but I mean the they yeah, have been penalized a lot more lately yeah. than they have early on in the Nick Saban tenure for sure. And and that is a problem. And I don't know if you, I, I'm sure you know this because I'm gonna set you up easily. Where have they been flagged most though, Spencer? On the road. On the road. And you're going into a hostile environment. You're going into a, an offensive. In, you're going. You're going against a defensive line that already causes enough havoc as is. I, I'm going to say this. It, it's it. It's not really. I want to word this correctly because it makes sense in my head. But if Alabama stays within five or less penalties in this game, I think they do win because that means they've kept their composure. That means they've played disciplined, and that means they've played sound Alabama football. However. If we continue to like, if they continue the trend they've been going in these games that they lose, even at home against Texas, they had penalties on them. If they're unable to stay composed and Jalen Milrow is not able to stay composed, I think they're going to get five or more penalties. They're going to continue to play undisciplined, unsound football, and I think they're going to lose this game. But Spencer, like, I want to talk about the other side of this, the Bama side of this, that people are maybe, maybe not realizing, but. Alabama's defense is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like Alabama's defense is l- legit. They they are very very good. They are are easily one of the best defenses in the country. Um, it, like on certain on certain metrics, like they A and M and Bama are 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 the the best defenses in the, in the SEC for the most part at times, and. I I don't know if Max Johnson can score on this defense. Well, that was just what I was pulling up on on my end. What does what does Max Johnson look like uh, from? Well, it looks like his dad and his mom um, combined. Yeah, that's how it kind of looks. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> um, he's not. I mean, now he's had fifty nine attempts on the season, twenty eight of them coming against Arkansas, sixty two percent. He's taken care of the football in his opportunities, but uh, only one interception to six touchdowns. 
but the one interception came in the game against Arkansas when he had the 28 attempts. So, yeah, what does that look like? Like, how good can he be against this really good Alabama defense? Um, so that could be a part. I mean, we could end up looking at a really low-scoring game here just because both defenses are able to uh, are able to really take con- excuse me take control and neither quarterback is overwhelmingly outstanding. Hot take though here. If you're Jimbo and you're in A&M, you don't want that kind of game. You don't want a low Mm-mm. scoring affair. Mm-mm. You 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 want this no. to turn into a track meet. Yeah, you would like for points to be involved. You need this to be 24-28 kind of game at least. This is why, again, what I said at the beginning, this is this is this is the reason game. This is why you hired you, you went and hired Patino Patrino to get to have these kind of games, to win these kind of games. This is what you and I bragged about this offseason for AM that if Jimbo could get out of his own way and allow Petrino to coach and call plays correctly, that this is like these kind of games is what they'd win. Like, Spencer, I'm a, like I I flat out, man, because of the way that we've talked about our, you know, our own squad and how they're looking this year, if AM cuts loose and they tur- they allow this to turn into a track meet, I think they win this game pretty easily. But I also think that everyone gets put on notice that AM might be one of the best teams in the country. And <clears throat> I, I'm 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 going to pick. I'm going to pick AM to win this game. I, I, I just I just don't trust Bama on the road. I just don't. yeah. And that's that's one big factor here for me. Bama on the road. Um, I just don't trust them, man. How can I? Yeah, and and then of course the personnel different the the differences in personnel. AM playing at home. Uh, having the advantage up front if you can keep pressure on Milrow. The thing about the pressure on Milrow, and you said it earlier, if if you can get pressure on him and he escapes and he makes decisive decisions with his legs, then then you could be in trouble yeah. if you're um you gotta lean on the RPO if though, you're right? AM. Like you gotta you gotta let Milrow rely on the RPO and not try to sit in the pocket. Because if you if you try to make him sit in the pocket, like he's not comfortable there. And right, if you're Alabama, you want him on the run. Right? Yeah, yeah, and if and if you're AM, you like if you're AM, you, you're okay with making him scramble the for passes. You're not okay with him scrambling for yards. Does that make sense? Like, like you. Well, yeah, and it's the weird thing because you don't want to leave any quarterback open too long because receivers will find their way open at some yeah. point. Yeah. So you want to get pressure on him, but you want that pressure to you know how they mentioned Tom rush Tom Brady straight on. Like yes. bring the pocket right in his face. And if you can do that, you you might can work something. And it feels like it could be the same with Milro. But just when you have those legs like that, you know, those alleyways can come open. I think your pass rushers have to be very disciplined in this ball game and and sort of create a create a, a pocket around him, create a wall that he can't just slither out of and then go off for a big gain. Uh it's gonna be very, very um very interesting to see how they approach that that side of this because if Milrow can take off running, I think that benefits the fact that you only want him to throw it, you know, eighteen times at most in a ball game. Yeah, Spencer, I'm I'm gonna yeah I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take A and M to win this. I don't trust Bama on the road. 
I think there is a world where Alabama does win, obviously. You know, Alabama's a one-and-a-half-point favorite right now, which essentially means it's a pick Um right. But give me – give me – like, this is their time. This is a and time. So, uh, let me – yeah, I'm going to take them. I will take A&M as well. Mm. Um, Bama on the road. Yeah, I think a lot of it will be Bama on the road and the mismatch up front. Okay. A&M. All right, where are we going next? All right, next up is the um, – want to save Georgia for last? Yeah, of course. Notre Dame-Louisville uh, this weekend. Notre Dame has obviously been – uh, been playing some very tight games, tough games the last two weeks. They've got another one coming up this weekend uh, with Louisville coming to town, or excuse me, with them going to Louisville. Uh, Jack Plummer is the quarterback there for uh, NC State. They are 5-0 and on the season. Excuse me, yeah, Louisville is 5-0 and on the season. Jack Plummer is the, uh, is the quarterback there. I don't know why I'm mixing Louisville and NC State up with one another, but either way... Um, Jeff Brom, Jack Plummer, 5-0. and They've been running the ball pretty well at Louisville. They've been throwing it pretty well with Plummer. Uh, how do you feel about this ball game here with, uh, with these two teams? Um, kind of a not, not an ACC game, but it's one of those uh, ACC games for Notre Dame. Can, I, like, I, I wish I had as much detail to go into like I, we had the last two games. But Spencer, I, I really just think that Louisville hasn't played anybody that I respect or that I think is like is is very good. Um, like they struggled against they struggled against Indiana. They struggled against Georgia Tech. They allow. You know, well, I'm not going to mention Boston College because so did FSU. They weren't a barn burner against NC State. I I just kind of like I I mean I'm glad Louisville's. Five and zero. I'm glad they're going to go to a bowl game. Like I, I'm, I'm happy for Jeff Brom, but this Notre Dame team is legit. And no, they may not be a top five team, but I guarantee you they're a top ten to eleven team. And I think they have a better offensive line, better D line. That they may, they probably do have the better quarterback. They definitely have the better running back in the situation. I, I just, I just think Notre Dame. I think last week was a gut check win for them. And I just like with it, this is exactly like the LSU Missouri game. Sure, I could see a world where Louisville does kind of attack Notre Dame in the middle of the field with against their safeties, which is which is kind of something that they've been able they've they've been given up some plays on. However, at the end of the day, I just think Notre Dame's better. I think Notre Dame has better athletes. I think they have the better team, and I think I think they have the pedigree to win this game. And so I, I kind of think Louisville's just going to win because they're better. Louisville's going to win? I'm sorry. Notre Dame's going to win because I, I just think they're better. Yeah, you go back to that Georgia Tech game, 39-34 win for Louisville there, and in like 10 minutes, Georgia Tech scored like 28 of their 34 points. And yeah. it almost, like, there's a part of you that thinks, boy, that seems, there's a part of me that thinks, man, that seems like something ex- got exposed in those 28 minutes. And that Georgia Tech just wasn't able to capitalize on it. And some of that might just be the fact that, oh, it's Georgia Tech and oh, they stumbled upon the right answer and then they couldn't, you know, they couldn't hold on to it or whatever. They let that go. 
uh, because that's very Georgia Tech to do. And they let that game slip away more than Louisville took it from them, if you will. And yeah. then you go to, you know, 13-10 against NC State, 21-14 against Indiana. The offense kind of seems to do just enough. Only .7 yards rushing against North Carolina State. If that's what you're managing against, uh, you know, North Carolina State, who's good defensively, what are you going to run into in week two against Notre Dame? I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you a little bit here, I think. This is uh this is Notre Dame's game. I, it won't necessarily be easy. They'll have to face waves. This defense, I think, for North Carolina State is is pretty staunch, pretty stout, and Sam Hartman will have his moments. But yeah, it, especially if uh, Notre Dame. I don't know if you've seen the status of those receivers that have been out, but if any of those guys are back and can help open up this offense a little bit, then that should go a lot uh, a lot further for the. Um, for Notre Dame, but but I like the I like the Irish here and oh yeah, like oh, yeah. Big. Thomas Greyhouse and Raritan are all back this week. Yeah, get, yeah. So if that can just open up, even if those guys can be decoys and open up yeah. a little bit of the offense for other guys, then uh, that freshman that uh, that they like there at Notre Dame. What's do you know his? Do you remember his name? The freshman fourteen, I think it is Flores. Yeah, Flores. So I mean, if they yeah. can get him going, then it could. Uh, it could it could be a big night. Yeah, give me Notre Dame. Give me Notre Dame as well. All right. After that, Texas, Oklahoma, big the Red game. River Shootout. The Red River Shootout. Uh, Oklahoma has been playing very very well against even if it's against the no names or people that are not super great or high ranking or whatever. Oklahoma has pretty laid it on those teams. They've done their job and, and beat those teams up pretty good. They're playing well, even if it is bad teams. Texas has been playing well, and they've been playing well against some good teams. Uh, where do you want to start with number 12, Oklahoma, at number three, Texas? Neutral site field, though, but it's uh, Oklahoma will be the away team there uh, in the Cotton Bowl. Let's talk about the team who lost 50 to nothing last year. Um, Spencer, I, I, that I'm would gonna... be Oklahoma. Yes. <laughs> Without Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. Yes. I, I don't know if that mattered. Um, the, I think it mattered in the sense of the of the zero on the board yes, for Oklahoma. Th- th- that's fair. That's fair. But Dylan Gabriel ain't playing defense. Um, but but your, your point is valid. I'm going to push back a little bit on just Oklahoma's – you didn't say this, but people's use of the word dominance for Oklahoma this year. Because they, they see three scores, 73 nothing. 66-17, and 50-20, to 20, okay? But the actual two best teams that they played was SMU and Cincinnati. And that SMU game was a grind. And they only won 28-11, and they only beat Cincinnati 20-6. to 6. I, I am just of the mindset, like, I, I, you know, you and I have listened to Colin Cowherd for over a decade. Um... You know, and, and I think he's been at Fox now for almost a, a ten years now, right? Like it's it's he's he's like, been at Fox for a little while. We because yeah. we made the switch. I was working at the radio station, and we were an ESPN affiliate when he was there. And just as he left, we switched to Fox. So yeah, I mean, six, seven, eight, almost. It's almost been ten years. Yeah. So one of his big things, and and I, I don't agree with everything he says, but one of the things that I do love his philosophy on is that a lot of times with teams, you take the best of them and the worst of them, and it's somewhere in between, right? 
And sure. and I think that that's exactly kind of what what I'm gonna what I'm doing here with Oklahoma because that's what they've done in the season. They have not been consistently dominant. They've been they've been dominant with lower tier teams, and they have like they've had some battles with the the middle middling tier teams. And they kind of like this is going to sound degrading, and I don't necessarily mean it that way, but I'm just trying to prove a point. They kind of come across as like an early 2000s Oklahoma to me that scores a lot of points on the teams that are have lesser talent, but they can't beat the teams who have as good of, if not better, talent. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I'm at with Oklahoma. I, I love Dylan Gabriel. I, I was always like when Georgia tried to flip him the night before signing day, like I really, really wanted him to, to come to Georgia, but he ends up going to UCF. Um, I, I'm a fan of the kid. I'm glad he's been able to fight through everything he has. And I'm really glad. <clears throat> I'm really glad that Venables has been able to turn this thing around after, you know, last year. But Spencer, I, I, I just don't know if I trust Oklahoma. And that's fair. I think that's very fair. Um, because again, it's sort of a Jimmy's and Joe's kind of thing. It feels like right now. Yeah, and one of the things from last year was all of that, all of those players leaving, uh, with either Lincoln Riley or going elsewhere, and it just it felt like the cupboards got bare pretty quick, and so, yeah, and and everything at Texas right now feels like it's on the upswing. Everything yes. at Texas, there's no stagnant, there's no plateau, there's no refiguring it out. Any of those things, uh. Steve Sarkeesian's way ahead of on, on all that. So the personnel seems right. And when it comes down, if you get locked into a Jimmy's and Joe's kind of thing, it overwhelmingly feels like it's Texas this weekend because they just feel like they have the bigger athletes. And I've even heard some people talk about Dylan Gabriel, not that a lot of his numbers are maybe they've not said padded, but they don't love Dylan Gabriel. Oh, no, um, because everybody wants Jackson Arnold to, to come in. Right. Like, and even though Dylan's been 75% and 1,500 yards through five games and 15 touchdowns and only two interceptions, like, I don't know what more you can ask for from a number standpoint. But I think, like you're saying, who are you when you have to play against the better teams? And not that he's been bad against the better teams on this year's schedule, but can you can you play with Texas? Are you ready to play with Texas? Is the rest of this offense ready to play with Texas and, are and what you they're ready? capable of? To yeah, go one-on-one right. on one with the great one. Right, exactly. <laughs> the most electrifying uh, moves in all of sports entertainment. So, uh, you know, that's fair. Um, I do like that uh, That Oklahoma spreads the football around. It looks like one, two, three, four, five, six different guys who have ten or more receptions on the year. They love I like the that de- idea. They love the death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, like, I, I like the idea of getting a lot of people involved. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Are those all game breakers? I don't know. Nick yeah. Anderson's going to have to be big, 27.9 yards per catch right now on just 10 receptions. So, I mean, they're going to need something from Nick Anderson. I would think today you got to get into a shootout. You're most definitely going to get into a shootout. Um, can you get after Quinn Ewers? Can this Oklahoma team get after Quinn Ewers at all? Bravo, you think? I, I think at times. I mean, look, if – I like we've seen enough of Brent Venables. We know what's coming. It is going to be blitz central in, in this game. It is going to be blitz, blitz, blitz. Okay. Um, you think they'll blitz them? 
Yeah, I think they're going to blitz him. Um, I, I also just quick side note before before I talk about Texas, uh, I think Spencer that this may be the best quarterback room game that we see all year. Like, I'm not just talking about quarterback. I'm talking about quarterback room. Like, because if if Ewers gets hurt, then we get to see Malik Murphy. And we get to see that dude ball out. If Dylan Gabriel gets hurt, then we get to see Jackson Arnold, who apparently is really freaking good as well. And he has shown out apparently at practice. And the only reason why he's not starting is because they're 5-0 and with Dylan Gabriel. Um, so I did, just a quick side note. I just think this is like one of the best quarterback room games in the country. Um Spencer, for me, like it, you know, I've mentioned this before, but I, I think Texas's offensive line is their offensive and defensive line are the two dominant forces here. Most people are going to say, oh, it's their wide receivers, oh, it's their quarterback. No, I, I think the way that they actually will dominate Oklahoma is on the front of the front lines of this of this of, of the game, because I think their offensive line is really good. I think they put on a show against Alabama and they they bully balled them, and then their defensive line did it even more so against Alabama and these other teams they play against. Here, Here's the thing, though, that I, I do want to talk about, like, Oklahoma's chance here. If they can, with their unique blitz schemes and Venables be able to dial some things up, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, I do believe, like, Quinn Ewers can make mistakes. I do believe he can make bad mistakes because we've seen him do it before. I think that's the only way that you win this game is if you make Quinn Ewers make mistakes. Yeah, I agree. I think you're going to have to make Quinn Ewers make mistakes. You're going to have to, and obviously you're going to have to be really good offensively because you got to think how many mistakes are you going to make him make? You know, like um, how he's going to be good in this game. You're going to have to withstand some some waves from him. I don't think you're going to get a a bad game all around uh, from Quinn Ewers. He's been too good all season long for something like that. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. You know, if, if Oklahoma can get through the first quarter and not lose, not don't lose the game in the first quarter. And I think if they can do that, this game can extend. Iowa State had 5.6 yards of carry last week against Oklahoma. It was a 50-20 to 20 game, so it didn't really mean a whole lot for Iowa State. And they've done a good job shutting down the run against everybody else, but if Texas can duplicate that from that Iowa State game and take advantage of something there, then um, that could mean a lot for uh, for the Longhorns to run away with this one. If they can get balanced and you give Ewers that sort of safety net of running the football, you give him second and second and three, second and two, could be a long day. Yeah, you know what? G- give me Texas, and I am like it is interesting that the line is only six and a half. But give me give me Texas, and I, I I think they cover. Yeah, I think Texas is well here, uh, but I think this will be another one of those games. You know, Rob, we talked about at the beginning of the year. We said, don't let that Alabama game, no matter what happens, don't let that Alabama game knock you off focus. Whether you win big or you lose or whatever. Don't let that knock you off focus and make you think. And now that they've won, the thing to avoid is that you're too big for your britches and you don't, you know, you're just going to coast now or something like that. 
there have been signs that that's not the case. Pulling away from Kansas was a really nice sign that that's not the case here for this Texas team, that they have a stronger mentality than that. Uh, but this is another one of those moments where it's, okay, where's your where's your mental focus? Because there's a lot of things in your advantage here that you should be able to run away with this game in some aspects. Can you go out and do it? Mm-hmm. No, so I, think I think that'll be important. But I, I like Texas to win here as well. Okay, next game. All right, so that takes us to Maryland and uh, at Ohio State. I don't. I unfortunately don't know a ton about Maryland. Not going to pretend here, but they're going to Ohio State. Do they have enough offense with Talia Tonga to maybe get this ball game? Because some people can make the argument that Notre Dame, had they had enough offense, they could have won that game against Ohio State. Oh well, I made the argument that they can win the game if the coach knew to put eleven players on the field. That's true. <laughs> I'm not so being at that to point. You. Then I'm not being a smart to you. I'm I being smart to just the failure of 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 uh, their coach. Uh, well, so with that, I guess you'd also have to ask. With that that thought in mind, you'd also have to ask: Does Maryland have enough defense? Because you're going to have to be able to s- slow this collection of talent down too. You would think if you're going to get into a rock fight like Notre Dame did. So, so I like Talia is having an incredible year, man. He's got thirteen. Ta- he's got thirteen touchdowns, three interceptions. Surprisingly, he's only had three sacks. He's only been sacked three times this year. Nice. He had. They they are spreading the ball around r- rushing wise. They have three. They have three guys who have already rushed for over one hundred and fifty yards. They've got four. They've got four guys in in two hundred plus yards receiving. Um, Spencer, like I, I think this may be the best Maryland team that we've seen with Talia and you and I like Talia, you know, like we've just said, like, he is a really good quarterback. He just throws way too many interceptions. He just is awful at throwing interceptions. He, this year he's, um, he's had a really good completion percentage of over 65%. He's had a good year. Spencer, I think this Maryland team can, can score. I just think that their defense is freaking Charmin, Triple ply soft, man. Like I, I mean, I don't have any. I don't. They haven't played a team that I can necessarily prove that. I've just watched most of their games. I I watched them play Charlotte and Virginia, Michigan State and Indiana. Like you should not give up twenty points to Charlotte. You just shouldn't do it. And but then but then to be fair, on the other side of the coin, like they only gave up 17 against Indiana this past week, beat them 44-17. They held Michigan State to 9, which Michigan State's not a great team, but they 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 continued that trend of keeping them under 10 points. Um and they've not allowed more than 376 to an opponent in total offense. Yeah, like so nobody's it, gained 400 yeah. yards on them, so I mean and I, and I don't know if this is I, I really don't know if this is the Ohio State team that can do that. Right, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're not you're not facing the most high powered Ohio State team in the history of Ohio State. No, you're, you're you may be facing the best defense Ohio State has had under Ryan Day, though. Eight and a half uh, points per game. Yeah, like you know, I said this, I said this, and they, dude, I think they had a bye week too. Yeah, they've they've had a bye week coming into this game. <laughs> they did. They were off this past week, <laughs> weren't they? So Kyle McCord and this offense have been working. <laughs> Trayvon Henderson is something to to really be mindful of. I think 
his 95 or was it 95? His big long run against Notre Dame sort of won them that ball game in a lot of aspects. So, um, fun fill fact, Maryland's defense is 16th in the country in points against. Nice. Like, like, okay, this is going to sound crazy. I understand that it does. But looking at these stats, talking about this right now, like, you just take away the rankings. But if we just talk about the games that we just talked about and we looked at their stats, we looked at what they've done against who they've done it with, doesn't it kind of look like Maryland could have a chance in this game, Spencer? Yeah, I think if you take away the logos, the logos definitely give the, their, give off their own impression. Yeah, no, the numbers look uh, comparable to one another. And I think some of that has to do with the fact that, yeah, this is a, this is a new era uh, of an Ohio State quarterback. That if this was C.J. Stroud and this was last year, you, you'd think differently of it. But now that it's just Kyle McCord and there's just six touchdowns on the year and, you know, uh, just barely over a thousand yards, you know, that part of it kind of makes you think, okay, this, this isn't the most, I mean, they're averaging 34 and a half points per game uh, and that's 38th in the country. So they're not, they're not who they normally are. So yeah, I think, I think Maryland does have a chance here. I do too. I, but but then it's, like the, it, line, it's, the line it's, is like twenty. <laughs> the, the, the line yeah, is twenty it, points. Well, and like, I would imagine a lot of that has to do with the up front, right? Like yeah. It can can they block? Is Ohio State going to be able to wear them down? And then Trayvon Henderson goes for a hundred in the fourth quarter or something, you know? I, I I just I mean I would love to just see Talia Tagovailoa finally get that big win. You know I, I just if it, if it wasn't for the fact like if we were just going by the offensive numbers of Ohio State this year I would probably say heck yeah Maryland has a chance. But then you look at the defensive numbers for Ohio State and you look you've seen them play defense you've seen how well they're how well they've played this year. Since it's really hard to imagine, like it's really hard to see Maryland winning, but then, but then, like at the same time, I mean, I can't believe I'm wrestling with this game. I didn't think I would. Spencer, go let like let's just take a second and look at the opponents that Ohio State has played as far as offensive production. They have played Indiana, Youngstown State, Western Kentucky, and Notre Dame, who are missing three of their best wide receivers. I. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not picking Maryland to win because I think that'd be crazy. But Spencer, sounds like you're picking Maryland to win. I, I think Maryland covers. I, I think Maryland covers. I think Ohio State wins. But I mean, I do, do. You feel this? Like, do you, are you just like concrete? Yes, Ohio State. Or do you? Are you kind of wrestling with this too? Yeah, I'm wrestling with it a little bit just because. Again, this isn't. I mean, this isn't an Ohio State team that's scoring all over the yard. And I think you bring up a good point just a second ago. That, yeah, Ohio State has been able to stop some people, but they've not really played a bunch of powerful offenses outside of Western Kentucky, who's capable of really putting up a lot of points. Notre Dame's not been all that brilliant offensively here as of late with the pieces out that they've had out. Indiana's not an uh, you know an overwhelming team either. So this could be a big day for Ohio State to sort of prove some of their gusto when it comes to being 
uh, the offense that they that they want to be. Michigan State was able to hold them to 362. Okay, so here here's the only here's the only connection we have. We we have a common opponent. I don't know if you knew Indiana. that, Spencer. In Indiana. Indiana. We we see it first week, you know, gotta give some grace. First week of the year, Ohio State only wins 23-3. Get about a month into the season, everybody's getting comfortable, everybody's starting to, you know, figure things out. What does Maryland do to them? 44-17. Now, I, I don't like transitive property because I just I don't think I, I don't think it's I don't think it's one you can always do one to one. Spencer, I'm going to take Maryland to upset Ohio State this weekend. Okay, look at you pulling not, the trigger. I, I I did not expect this at all. But like, no one's going to sit here and tell me, and and I'm I'm going to sound frustrated, but I'm not. But no one's going to sit here and tell me that not I'm not talking about rankings. I'm not talking about brands. You cannot sit here and tell me that Ohio State has been leaps and bounds more impressive with their schedule than than Maryland has. Why? That's just not the case. Maryland Maryland is is uh I just want to get this stat right. They're 16th in the country in points against, and Ohio St- Ohio State is second. Like I'm I'm not I'm not taking anything away from that. But both teams have been impressive defensively, and if we're looking at the offensive numbers, Ohio State, I mean, Maryland has been, <laughs> Ohio, or Maryland, oh my gosh, it's, they're super close. Mar- actually, Maryland is 20th, and Ohio State is 18th. I mean, I'm sorry, it's 38th. Like, th- there is something There is something to this. I- I'm going to, I mean, I don't really, I haven't called really any crazy upsets this year. And, uh, you know, because I I just think it's been a weird year. But I think I think Maryland wins this game. I'll take uh, Ohio State. Yep. I think they'll ground and pound. Trayvon Henderson is uh, is good enough. So I like uh, I like Ohio State here. I think the defense will do good enough. And Maryland's kind of in a prove it spot. And I don't know if they'll uh, I don't know if they'll live up to it. Do you, how crazy like how crazy you think it would be if they won if Maryland won like not I'm not talking about national pretty crazy. I'm, talking about, I'm talking about you like your perception pretty crazy why is that I'm just curious just because it's Maryland I mean it's yeah yeah okay this would be a name. historic yeah uh, thing for them they will have pulled off a pretty big deal here if um, if you this if program you were, doesn't do that very often. If this had been if, if this was the Ohio State teams like if this was Ohio State team that was just <clears throat> whooping everybody, putting points and yards up across the board and having the defensive numbers that they had, like I probably wouldn't even I wouldn't even wrestle with this. But this is a very this is a very mature team in Maryland. They have a like a six year senior in Talia Tagovailoa who's having the best year of his career so far. I think Maryland can do this. I I'm probably going to end up with egg in my face and be completely wrong, but I, I just think I think I mean, if we're wait, we haven't had any crazy upsets. Why not have one now? So, yeah, sure. give me give me Maryland. All right, let's go. All right, next ball game on the board: Washington, number thirteen, Washington State. Excuse me, at UCLA. 
where do you want to go with uh, another Pac-12? It seems like we're in that groove now of we every week we're going to have something like a Washington State UCLA to talk about out west. I this is one of those like what does Vegas know? Because UCLA is UCLA is a favorite by three points. Washington State has two of the best wins. Like, there's only really two teams who have in the country who have two impressive wins. That's FSU and Washington State. And if I'm not mistaken, was was Washington State off last week? Like, um, they've only got four games. They might have been off. Yeah, because they played Oregon State on. They played Oregon State two weeks ago. Yeah, man, they've on had the twenty third. They've had a week off. UCLA, UCLA was off too. Um, Where it's at UCLA. Um, yeah, so that's given UCLA an opportunity to work on the offensive things. It's given mm-hmm. Dante more. I mean, we could have a we could have a a really underrated, incredible quarterback battle here. Cam Cam Ward against uh, Dante Moore uh, against. Uh, Dante Moore, yeah. Cam Ward, Dante Moore. I'm 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 gonna I'm not gonna overthink this. I, I think Washington State's a better team. I think Washington State is is all is great off the edge when it comes to pass rush. Um I think they have a quarterback in Cam Ward who is is legit, who they they are already battle tested this year. They have <clears throat> That they haven't been tested hardcore on the road yet, which is the one hang-up that I kind of have here. But Spencer, I don't, I don't want to overthink this. I think that they should beat UCLA. Um, UCLA, like I think UCLA is good, and they're going to try to be physical up front. They're going to, they're going to try to run the ball right at Wazoo. But man, I, I, th- I think, I think they're, they can be up for the challenge. Um, but also, I just kind of think that they're going to. Washington State's going to be able to outscore UCLA. I think this, now that I'm thinking about this more and more, I think this turns into kind of like a, a shootout, but Washington State walks walks away with the dub. Yeah, I'm expecting a little bit of a shootout here as well. Um, They got into a shootout with Oregon State. I think Dante Moore with a week to, to and Chip Kelly with a week to work has uh, sharpened the tools. They'll be ready to go for a fight, uh, but Cameron Ward, man, uh, There's something about that guy that's uh, that's been really fun to watch. And this defense for Washington State as well. They've got two guys on that side of the ball that have been a lot of fun uh, to see as well. So, yeah, give, give me Washington State here. I think they've spread the ball around pretty good, both on the ground and, uh, and through the air, um, more so through the air. But either, excuse me, either way, I like uh, Washington State here. Okay. All right. So that oh, yeah. brings us to our final game. Kentucky is coming to Athens. I'll let you start. So I was taking a look at Kentucky and sort of the rushing success that they've been having. And Raheem Davis, who I think they just call Ray Davis. I think that's right. Um, has He's been okay this year. One 100-yard performance, and that was in week one against Ball State. 52, 72, 78, and then the explosion this past week for 280 against uh, against Florida and uh, the three touchdowns and such. 
And so I, I, I definitely had wanted to take a look at Raheem Davis and just kind of get an idea of who he's been, what he's been up to all season long, but also just sort of what Kentucky's been up to all season long on the ground. 113 against Ball State, 115 against Eastern Kentucky, 135, 160, 329. Obviously, those numbers have been trending in the right direction for Kentucky. So I feel confident saying Georgia will get a really good test this weekend when it comes to defending the run. More so because this isn't brand new to Kentucky. Um, That coaching staff, Bob Stoops, or Mark Stoops, I'm sorry, wants to play this kind of football. Uh, They want to come right at you and... That's that's how they want to do this. So it feels as though Georgia will get one of its best tests when it comes to um, when it comes to defending the run. The part about it, though, that always kind of keeps you coming back, Rob, is the Jimmy's and Joe's conversation from earlier. Yep. At at some point, it's. You know, it's great that Kentucky can do the things that they can do. And they've made some battles with Georgia over the last few years. But they've also not had some of those battles. Uh, they've put up battles better than maybe a South Carolina has. Uh, they've put up battles maybe better than some other programs have. But ultimately, Georgia's just got too many horses, uh, too many big bodies, too many guys that are just ready to go. And I know that Georgia's not – there's been a lot said this week about Georgia and the way that they've played and how they've performed and yada, yada, yada. I think they're playing well enough that whatever Kentucky does come out and whatever they do successful, Georgia probably has to see it first. And so there will be some success and then Georgia will get it shut down. I do not feel confident in Uh, Devin Leary to make up the difference. If Georgia starts to stifle whatever is successful early on for Kentucky, if Georgia starts to stifle it and Kentucky has to start throwing the football, Devin Leary has not been NC State a couple of years ago, Devin Leary yet. And I think that will play into Georgia's favor. This game hinders on what Kentucky can do offensively, which I think is what every other game has hindered on for Georgia, especially last week because you started to see that the limitations, the cracks in Auburn's offense started to show as that game went on. I'm I'm thinking something similar could happen here. Georgia could very much find themselves in a hole early on, or at least a problem to deal with from a a defensive standpoint, because maybe the rushing success is there. But if Devin Leary doesn't have a good game, if he's not able to capitalize on any of those things, like he's not really been able to take advantage of so far this season, then this is this should be dogs and it should be dogs all the way. Yeah, I um, you know, went on my rant last episode, just kind of laying out my concern and why, you know, why I didn't think Georgia should should be the number one team in the country right now. Um, that 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 hasn't changed in the in the days since. However, what what has what has changed or what has like made me pay more attention is the realization of 
of what this Georgia team just endured and what that can mean moving forward. And we talked about this last episode. We talked about after the game, you know, we talked about like, man, be jovial that you won. Be happy that you won this game. Your team came back on the road and and beat beat an Auburn team that gave you everything they had. And that's something that Georgia has to deal with week in and week out, probably more than most people, is that they get Georgia's A game. I'm sorry, they get Georgia gets every opponent's A game every week because they are the two-time national champ. However, Spencer, I, I really do think you and I talked about this. They that team rallied behind Carson Beck at the end of that game. I think they came together. Uh, Kirby talked about this after the presser, and you know, and said that he that, that they were going to have a bloody Tuesday, a bloody Tuesday practice, physicality, physicality, physicality to get ready for a Kentucky team that wants to be physical. I think that this Georgia team is probably going to be a little tired of being doubted. And I think that Carson Beck is the guy. There is no questions. There is no, <clears throat> there is no, like, uh, you know, I don't know if he if he can be that guy. No, I think he is that guy. Also, there's this really good guy named Brock Bowers that's still on this team. My, I, I just don't, I do not think that Kirby Smart is going, and, and this defense is going to allow Kentucky to run on them. And I don't, I agree with you. I don't think Devin Leary is that guy that can, that can make up the slack for whenever the offense isn't rolling on the, um, when running the ball, I understand that this, I think it was last year's game. I think, uh, they held, I think they held Georgia to 16 points last year. Am I right in that Spencer? Um, Ooh, hang on, hold on, look. hold on. I could be wrong in that. 34, 17 was no, no, wait a minute. No, 16, 16 six, 6 was last year. Yep. And last year was on the road at Kentucky. Um, also just, just to point out like, Rainstorm, right? Yes. Yeah. This was Sorry. that monsoon. No, no, it's okay. This was that monsoon game last year on the road. Um, so I just kind of like I of all the criticisms that I have, and it, it, and I've I've gotten plenty of text messages and responses from friends and and listeners who have said like they they agreed with with what I said. I, I'm I'm saying that a lot of that I think gets corrected this weekend. I think Georgia at home on a night game on ESPN. I think they stick it to Kentucky, and I think there's a reason why this number continues to go up on the point spread. It's it's not just because of betting. I think it's people realizing this Georgia team is going to come out pissed off because all they've been done, all that's happened to them is being doubted for an entire week after they just got a huge win at, at, on the road at Auburn. And I think they kind of handle this Kentucky team because, like you said, at the end of the day, who do I think has the better coaches? I think Georgia. Who do you think has the better players? I think Georgia. Give me Georgia and give me to cover. And I think they start this game from start to finish. And I think they just – I think they impose their freaking will on Kentucky. I think Carson Beck's going to need to be sharp in this yep. ball game. Yep. Kentucky has held opponents to 2.5 yards a carry. Um, some of that has been the opponents that they've been playing, I'm sure. But Georgia's not been the best rushing team so far. We've we've stated that. That's been covered plenty, I think, by by big Georgia folks, that the running game just hasn't been quite what we want it to be. Dejon Edwards is great, though. I love him. Um, so this could be a Carson Beck kind of game. Uh, only seven touchdowns on the year so far uh, for Beck, but he's got uh, 1,400 yards. Uh, almost 1,500 yards through five games, so he's he's done a good job, 72% through 161 attempts. 
He's done a really good job taking care of the football and putting the team in position to score points. So uh, I like uh, Georgia here as well. Do you think you do you agree with me that you think they put away this slow start crap and they finally start it start big? I sure hope so. But this this could be one of those games if Kentucky comes out fired up early on stopping the run. You put it on Carson Beck, and he's a little bit wobbly to start. Uh, the running game gets going. You know, you have sort of a very similar game to the start against Auburn. You know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, you know that maybe this game doesn't quite get off the get off the rails the way you want it to if you're Georgia, or get off to the start you want it to if you're Georgia. Being at home helps a lot. Uh, it does. for the dogs. Being at home will help a lot. Um, so. I'm I'm hoping for that all to be put away for sure. And and also like just just something that we you know made mention of the slow starts like we we could have been talking about a completely different game and outcome if Oscar Delt just just catches that ball or just goes down you know or just doesn't yeah. fu- doesn't yeah doesn't have the turnover yes but but, but I'm, well no I was talking about. The, the the opening drive. When oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the turnover for no, some no, reason. No, no. Yes. No, I, but I'm yeah. just talking about like starting slow. Like we probably don't have, I, I mean, who knows, but we may not have that same, that same dialogue or the you know, same conversation of slow, oh, slow start again for Georgia. If, if there's not a, if there's not, a, you know, a, a, an overthrown touchdown pass on the opening drive. Yeah, at the very least, it'd it be just a big game. If he has to lay out for that ball and catch it and it's just a 30-yard pickup or a 35-yard, whatever it would have been, pickup, mm-hmm. maybe that's just the spark the offense needs. You come right down the field, you get into Auburn's head immediately, and uh, yeah, you're right, 100% right. And maybe this is the game this weekend where Carson Beck finds those moments. Also, do we know anything about Kendall Milton and where he's at? Because he played a little bit last week. He got five snaps. Apparently, he is based off what Kirby said today. He's he's a go. Okay. Every well, maybe that helps the ground game a lot. Yeah. I was gonna say everybody, everybody who was, who everyone who was a go last week, or who played a little bit is is definitely a go this week, and um, that uh actually I just want to because I have it have it right here. I just want to um real quick. Sorry. Uh. Lad McConkey feels great. Uh, Javon Bullard is is back and feeling great. Kim Milton is back. Um, yeah, every every like I said, everybody. It seems like everybody will be back except for the players who just have longer term injuries. Um, right. EJ Lightsey, um, uh, Roderick, Roger Robinson, who who's still dealing with his injury. Um, but I mean, this will be one of the healthiest that George has been since the beginning of the season. So. Very nice. All right, my friend. Anything else for uh, the weekend? No. Um, well, I mean, it, it's not it's not college football related. I, I just, or yes, it is. Um, I would just, I, I just want to throw this one game out there just for the heck of it. Let, let's pay attention to what happens that Georgia Tech Miami game. Miami's kind of been under the radar ever since that Texas A&M game. Um, so you know, we'll see what happens there. Also, um, it looks like it looks like it's going to, you know, it's top of the seventh, but it looks like it's going to be Philly and Atlanta on Saturday. So, yeah, 
Yeah, I know. Philadelphia. They would love nothing more than to ruin Atlanta season. Again. Again. They took it from us last year. Yep. Either way, we'll uh, we'll find out. UCF in Kansas this weekend could be something to. I know there's a lot of other games going on, but that one could be fun to have on. My question there would just be: Is Jaden Daniels playing? Is who? Jaden Daniels is he playing? Because he didn't play against. Oh oh, oh, yeah, for Kansas. I'm sorry. For some reason, I kept thinking of LSU's quarterback. I was like, "What are you talking about?" Uh, Because I said Kansas is quarterback. I meant to say Jalen. Gotcha. All right, and then uh, anybody else here? Uh, Iowa has Purdue, and there's sort of, I think, a lot of gap to be made up after scoring zero points for Iowa in their loss. They've got a lot of gap to make up for, what, 215? Is the number 215 or 315 that they need to get to? Whatever their 25 25 points a game, they're they're a little bit behind. So they've uh, see what they can do against uh, Purdue there. You mentioned Georgia Tech-Miami. Arkansas Ole Miss is this weekend as well. Can Arkansas get into a shootout there? Um, with Ole Miss, how much firepower does Ole Miss have left after such a big emotional game last week? Remember, they stormed the field on that game, which felt kind of pathetic. But either way. Is that really um, how you felt? I... I just I thought I, I, I thought I I just thought that was one of those games like I thought that was one of those moments that are worth worth it when it when it literally comes down to the last play against a ranked opponent. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe I guess I'm just I wasn't thinking of LSU as invincible. It wasn't a shocker, I that, guess. That, you know, that, I mean that's fair. I I, I it was I, a big win for Lane Kiffin. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's. I, I'm not saying that they would have done that if it was Ball State, but like I, I don't think I don't think it was about necessarily the po- uh, the opponent. I think it was about the back back and forth of the game and how it literally came down to the final play of the game to win. Yeah, maybe so. But but I mean, you're right too. You're right too, man. Don't don't storm the field for nothing. You know. Um, but Rutgers no, and Wisconsin only uh, one loss uh, or two losses between the two teams, so uh, maybe. I don't know. There's plenty of stuff to look at this weekend. That uh, Syracuse, North Carolina, that could be another one uh, to keep an eye on. All right, Robbo. Anything else? No, man. Y'all, y'all just have a good week. NC State, Marshall, uh, as well. All right. Uh, be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to friends. One love, and that is college football. We'll catch you on the flip flop later.